Blog Talk Radio. Tonight on one mic, Hank and I will try to answer this question. When is when do you have the changing of the guard? Because if you go after the king, you bet not miss. Somebody forgot to tell the tell the wizards that. This thing right here is for my people's streets. Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause. Throughout the stadium, as this man sounds like he just coughs up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need? Uh, CPR or something And then at that particular time I lost it <laughs> Devon Yes, yes, yes Today Phoenix is another place They got a great uh, training staff I mean they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq And you can do that you know, People talk a lot about their <laughs> training staff Lock, Yes, yes, today you know, as we start this show, this one mic. It, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. This next year is going to tell us a lot. Yeah, I don't, with the whole talk of LeBron leaving. I don't think moving to L.A. for whatever reason people say moving to L.A. making any difference in terms of how LeBron is already moving the agenda in Hollywood and media. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's not, there's no advantage there. He's already got that, and it's a, and, and actually it's a basketball disadvantage because now you can't even see the Warriors in the finals. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, like now so, you can't even. Yeah, you're not even getting to them. No, until uh, you got to get to you got to get at them in the conference finals, the divisional round. Anybody trying to eh, where they do that at? No, you try. You got to stand in the East. They get stronger in the West and and and, and make it difficult on them. And you continue to have an easy pass from the east, and you east, and you just yeah. healthier and got more energy. You got to hope that yep. Chris Paul and them put them in a dog fight. Uh, San Antonio gets them Kawhi, in a dog fight. You know, you're right. They're wearing them down. OKC, Paul George, and Westbrook, and Minnesota, and just let them all kill each other. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to sit back and you got to Game of Thrones this out, man. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to be, you got to be Peter Baelish. You got to be right. Littlefinger. You got to be Littlefinger. You got to kind of sit back and kind of watch the players kind of murk each other. You know, like watch them slaughter each other. And then you slide in. You know, you slide in, in into the north. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You slide into Winterfell. <laughs> yeah, like what Peter Baelish doing in Winterfell? Peter Baelish running game. <laughs> Always and forever. Littlefinger stay running game. Always and forever. You know what I'm saying? Always. You watch the you you stand in the background pulling the strings while the while the while the puppets kill each other. You know, let that go down yeah. and you just stay out east, man. Stay away from the fray. Yeah. Show up yeah. show up at the final credits. <laughs> right. he, he, he With a full clip. 
She killed right. him young as well. Yes. Yes. You bludgeon Philly. Bludgeon him. Bloody confidence you know what what <laughs> Right. Traumatize him, right? Traumatize him. <laughs> Traumatize Washington. You know, beat up you know, Boston. Like, play with give him. him a psychosis. But I'm saying, like, that, that's the that's the thing. Like, I feel like all the talk ahead is LeBron's going to L.A., LeBron's going to L.A., and that makes all the sense in the world except for on the court. The what? <laughs> that is the legendary game changer, what we call the games of throne strategy he recommended for LeBron to go to Winterfield. That is... This, that's the way I want to start this one mic off. Welcome to one mic uh, tonight. We want to talk about if you got the king, if you got the wire folks, and, 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 and go to the throne. So tonight, Hank and I will talk about this from different perspectives, from different sports, but, you know, everybody's always talking about the changing of the guard and uh, it, it takes a lot to take that out the hands of the king. And so we're going to talk a lot about that uh, tonight. Uh, but before I get into uh, uh, to that kind of conversation, you know, I'd like to bring my, my co-host for uh, one mic here on the IRC platform, uh, Hank Davis. How you doing, Hank? I'm doing well, D. Always, always good to be with you here, to be able to uh, take a few minutes to talk about some sports. You know, it's always something. You know, Game Changer, boy, he's going to have his own show just with his own excerpts. He keep on coming up with stuff, man. Every time every every time I come on, you know, he leading the show. I'm like, man, like, this cat here, you, you know, what, what, he must have professionals writing his material for him or something like that, man. He, <laughs> he comes out the blue with some stuff. I'm telling you, he be hitting them from, from Carolina up through, up through uh, Detroit, up through Manitoba with some of that stuff, man. I'm telling you. You go out and you. I've had some moments like that with you. We obviously played uh, the uh, opening of our show when you described our experience at the uh, uh, the Michigan uh, spring game. There are moments when you can tell like this is a moment. Uh, yeah. And you hit that. Uh, uh, the people who are longtime listeners, uh, uh, we have Ray on. People who looked at us from the beginning. Ray, you have those moments when you know like this is something I got to capture. And he started down that line. That was the, that was the same night. He, he you know he 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 pulled out the uh, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, the waters quote. You know uh, <laughs> uh, you know reclaiming my time. Like he was on fire, and, I, and you can feel like that was one of those moments that I like. We got to capture. But when he went out of Game of Thrones, he was that was one of those moments where he was in his Zen mode. I was like, this is genius the way he's laying this out. <laughs> And uh, I, I just started cracking up. I, it, I'm fortunate enough, this is the part I love about doing these shows and doing these platforms that I get to work with y'all. And I just, a lot of times I'm just staring at y'all. You're, you're one of those people, too, that y'all get in that mode, y'all get to rolling. You ain't know, you got to get out the way. And you, that's where you got to know it's like, the old, you know, we both Pistons fans. That's like a Vinny moment. People who are Pistons yeah. fans know that when, you know, when the microwave is cooking, you just, Give him the ball and get out the way and let him go to work. <laughs> That's right. You know, and if you think about that, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I thought, and I, as the intro was going, I was like, 
and we and I done. I was like, let me let me play this. Set the and sets it up right because we're gonna spend a little bit of time talking about it. And in that quote, he he mentions the wizard. Like this is a while ago. He he talked about torturing the wizard, and so you see LeBron go for fifty seven uh, against the uh, uh, against the wizard. You know, almost a triple double was one of the most incredible performances I've seen in a while. Um, it. Uh, it's LeBron getting into his matrix where you can see it all coming together for him. He just, he feel, you know, he's been tweaking parts. He's been working on parts for a few years. He's working on his post game, but you can feel like he knows when to use it. And as the season progresses, obviously, and if LeBron decides to go to that post and go to work and commit to it and mix it up, it's going to be some problems. Because he doesn't know how to control the game because he's a great passer. Right, and get no shooters open. So, you know, we 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 see it, but we'll get into that much much more about this. Um, I just want to say, as always, uh, the hosts and callers are brought to you by Carbon World Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez, Ashley, and all the other staff members, and uh, to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them that the Real Sports Guys sent you. Uh, you can also connect with us at Real Sports Guys on all platforms. You can go to realsportsguys.com, uh, iTunes, just search for uh, Real Sports other pod, pod, uh, uh, podcast platforms, search Real Sports Guys. Um, this is one mic. This is where we usually go deep into a topic. We'll nip around the edges. We'll do some broader conversation about sports, but the heart of the show will be nest, nested in a single topic uh, that will be part of our uh, five on the black hand side. It's our cipher where we go on this show uh, deep into that topic. And the topic tonight is, you know, how do we know changing the guards? We'll talk a little bit about LeBron and where he is, you know, the king uh, around that. Um, and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about examples of when we knew there was a changing of the guard, uh, uh, some of those moments. How did you feel in those moments? We'll get into a little bit deeper than that. But, but like what we've been doing recently on one mic, you know, given that it's, you know, college football season, um, we we want to spend some time checking in each week. Because um, those of you who've been listening uh, know that football is big for uh, Hank and I. You know, we we, we 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 watch a little bit. We try to figure out what's what's going on, and um, you know, want to make sure that you know we're, we're you know things are changing every week. And um, we, we have some 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 major questions we try to answer every week to just kind of get a feel because you know when you talk about eighteen to twenty one year olds anything can happen and so we want to spend a little bit of time kind of figuring out you know where we are in this college football uh, landscape with the with the um, you know the second um, set of rankings right coming out on Tuesday um, in the second week after. Uh, a weekend of, uh, uh, of another major upset um, uh, happening here. And so what did you learn, Hank, from this weekend? Ah, uh, yes. What did I learn from this weekend? That is still sucker season. That's what I learned from this past week, <laughs> that we still we, – we had an extended sucker season. And it happened shortly after the, the, uh, the initial um, uh, playoff committee rankings came out. 
You know, all of a sudden you started seeing those teams that was under the top four, and then we was going to really see what was really going on. And lo and behold, we were not disappointed. Um, we, we learned that some teams are, are, are absolutely just suckers, that they're, they're like Michigan weather. They change on a dime. You look at what happened with Iowa State. You know, they get up in there, mm-hmm. uh, get, get ranked real high, and next thing you know, they're back to their regular schedule programming. We look and see OSU. (laughs) (laughs) We see OSU. I'm not just talking about Ohio State. I'm talking about Oklahoma State, okay? Two teams that were started to really do something. Combined, combined, these two teams gave up 116 points. 116 points. There's some teams right now that ain't scored that many points, and these two teams gave up that many. That was something that was uh, somewhat of a surprise. We understand Bethlehem in the Big 12. They don't play any defense anyway. But for Ohio State to go on the road, to go out to Iowa City, and to get, just get absolutely woodshedded by the, uh, that, that offensive juggernaut, which is the Iowa Hawkeyes, is was, is was what we were all sitting around here thinking that either we were dreaming or in heaven or both here in Ann Arbor. But I digress. They took one. And then when we go out to East Lansing, we see that, that both of these teams, Penn State and Ohio State, took each other out a week later. Now you see Penn State go out to, to Michigan State and have a devastating loss to the Spartans. Okay, two in a row after such a remarkable year. And now they're deemed as frauds. What else do we learn? We learn that your boys are still lurking around. The Wisconsin Badgers. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. The, there's a player out there that nobody in the country knows about unless you're in Madison, Wisconsin, or in the Big Ten, and that's Jonathan Taylor. And I'm telling you right now, the nation needs to take a look at this young man. He is one amazing running back, and he's one of the main reasons why this team is still undefeated. Now, they can say all they want to say about their schedule, but that will start to play itself out. And I'm telling you, next week, next week's game, November 18th, when the when – the, when the, um, when the Blue Crew comes into Madison, we're going to see what these boys is all about. And the other thing I want to talk about is you was right. You was right about the old ugly, ugly, with the ugly uniforms, Hurricanes. Okay? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, they, they, they came. Come on, y'all. Okay, now you in South Florida. You in South Florida. There's no reason to put on what looks like SWAT gear. I mean, come on. The Hurricane was, was, was weeks ago. All right, that wasn't necessary for Vitek. That was that was that was raggedy. Okay, somebody needs to rethink that. I know they was hot down in South Beach with hot with black uniforms on. Still scratching my head by that, but still, they did they they did they do, they did they do, and they're going to set up the 2017 uh, edition of the convicts versus the Christians. When you're going to have Notre Dame mm-hmm. come down to, down to South Beach, I can't wait for that game. That's going that's the marquee game of the week next week. So you you learn that you know it's starting to, it's starting to shake itself out. Like you said, when you're dealing with 18 to 23 year olds, anything can happen, and anything can happen, and 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 it is just 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 not it's not what we think, but it's sure fun to watch. Yeah, I think you you nailed it on uh, and uh, I. Exciting game, but you're right. It was a lot of defense. You know, they the second half they tightened up a little bit, but I mean, it was it was track meet all the way down the field on on, on that one. It was 
Um, uh, whoever had the ball last was going to win, uh, but they they were short on defense. And uh, I put out, I've been doing, I just released this new podcast series called uh, uh, The Cypher, um, and uh, really focus, focus on cracking the code. Not the cypher like the hip-hop cypher, but cypher like with deciphering the code. And um, it's a short podcast, but one of the things, I, I released the podcast, my most recent one, I released Saturday morning about into the first half of the Wisconsin game, and it was focused on is there Wisconsin bias. And it built, built off the conversation that Hank and I had last week. And, but in that, I, you know, and I've been long telling folks about what I call the Buckeye fraud um, in, in the sense that they've been doing this with smoke and mirrors, um, and then they went into what I call uh, the uh, Bermuda Triangle College football. Anybody who's going ranked into Iowa City better strap it up. Because <laughs> right. you, you're going right. to come out better or you're going to come out with a loss. But but they went in and took a, a beatdown of major proportions and part of it was Iowa City. Iowa did what I I I I told you have to do with Barrett. He cannot throw the intermediate pass. If you see him throwing passes of 15, 20 yards where he's got to be accurate, it's not there. He'll throw the deep ball with somebody tripping behind him, or he's running. But he struggles, and it's, I'm surprised that he is. But it goes back to that whole transition period where. You know, he wasn't playing. They weren't sure if they wanted to go with uh, Cordell. They, you know, it was they had that whole period of which he really didn't de- they, he didn't develop the way they needed him to develop. And that intermediate pass game is would kill him if he can't throw it deep. He's not going to put you know uh, screens or whatever. Um, they tr- they struggle often, and particularly with against a good defense. And it just it's just strange to. Sh- to see the lack of imagination in my mind of the uh, Buckeye offense. And some of that is maybe they limit it. That's all they can do with Barry. But I think that's going to show up in big games. It's not like they're not great. They don't have a lot of talent. But I, every time I watch them, I, since last year, they, I, I felt like they were limited offensively. And, they, you know, they go and hire Wilson to be offensive coordinator, and you basically see them bringing themselves back towards what they, they know. And um, I think that's a, 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 a big issue. You know, Alabama and Georgia are clear. You know, I talked about Georgia being the number one ranked team before the last week. Um, they came out that way. But it's really 1A and 1B. Um, but Georgia's schedule, uh, Alabama's schedule, I said, you know, people talk about scheduling. And, again, Alabama, and I'm saying they're great teams. I'm not saying this. Crimson Tide, folks, you listen to this and, you, you know, don't come up me like fine ball show because we crack you. I'll bring the dog out on you. So, you know, I don't play that. So you, if you come to the RG neighborhood, you know, we're not going to be like the guy with glasses a little nervous. We, we come back at you, and you will you will get our dog. His name is uh, Cocaine. So what I'm saying is don't get too mad. If you do, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be – I'm going to bring somebody out on you. So understand it. Now, understand that, but if you make me pull his mouth, I'm going to pull him out. But but your schedule is not very strong. Right. So while we're talking about scheduling, there is a bias towards how we look at that. Even this conversation about two undefeated SEC. Every time there are undefeated, two undefeated SEC teams, people are just assuming both teams are going to get in. Those are two undefeated. 
undefeated Big Ten teams or two undefeated Pac-10 teams. They were the only one can get in. But we changed the narrative when we talk about two undefeated SEC teams meeting up at the end of the year. And to me, you got to be consistent. I remember when Michigan and Ohio State were going out years ago, people were like, well, we don't want to see another game between them two. All of a sudden, though, if it's two SEC teams, can't wait. So there's this scant, and I'm not taking that away from Alabama, but if you lose, you lose. That's right. how it goes. Or if Georgia, if you lose, you lose. we got enough other teams sitting here in the, in the queue. But Alabama's schedule is not very strong. And I'm, I'm just putting it out there like that. Georgia, Georgia's played strong. They had to go. They had to go to South Bend. They, but Georgia, to me, that's why I feel they're clearly number one. Now, can they? Can they? Can they? When they get on the big stage, you know, Georgia and Alabama, like Ali and Frazier, can you stand up when the when the, when the big dog is? Sometimes they get it with the hook. We'll see. The other piece to that too is both of those teams have got to play Auburn, and I don't know if you paid any attention to the Auburn Texas A and M game. But uh, Auburn has now started playing some real solid football. They're unsung, mm-hmm. and they're, 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 they're that, that team, because they're being overshadowed by Georgia and by Alabama, they're going to give those both of those teams fits. And if both of those teams figure out a way to beat Auburn, then that's legit. That legitimizes their schedule. One thing I do want to say about the, if, you, if you can really uh, compare Wisconsin to um, Alabama, and is that Alabama just goes out and takes care of their business with this soft schedule they got. Yep. They haven't trailed, per se. They haven't struggled, and they've knocked these teams out, and the games are never in doubt. And when the, the eyeball test for Wisconsin right now is when you look up, even in this game they played against Indiana, they were behind by two scores at one point. They came back, took, took care of the game handily. But people watching that team – is looking for that aha. I'm telling you, they have the aha. Alex Hornibrook has been playing great all season. Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor is is the back nobody's talking about. Everybody had all this uh, Saquon Barkley uh, love, and that boy has just been quietly, or young man, should I say, has just been quietly putting together a whale of a season, and I would say better than what Barkley has done because he hasn't disappeared in games as Barkley has. And, you know, it's – it, 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 it for, for again, and, and you cannot take nothing away, and you should not take nothing away from the coaching staff, the Paul Chris, and what he's done uh, in Wisconsin. You can't take nothing away from that team. Like again, next year, next week's game is going to speak volumes because regardless of what people may think about Michigan, that is a very talented football team, and they're starting to play better and they're going to give Wisconsin fits. It will be the best game that Wisconsin play all season. It will be the best team they play all season, okay? And um, they're going to have to bring their A game because, again, you got a Wolverines team that is talented. They can play. And now I believe they've got the quarterback in place that they need, and, oh, by the way, they started to run the football with more authority. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, more next week, but that's going to be the game that will will, will definitely define – Wisconsin season to this point. And, and, and another team, Miami. I mean, you know, they, they beat a really good Virginia Tech team, 28-0, um, you know, you know, with, you know, uh, Josh Jackson, you know, emerging quarterback was getting some, some, some whispers around uh, the, the Heisman conversation. Um, and, you know, they beat them 28-10. And so yeah. – 
you know, I don't know if there's, a, 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 you know, something about Miami. You know, I'm, I'm surprised Miami not getting more love because I thought they would. But, again, you know, um, how we look at strength of schedule versus strength of program, it, like you said, it's going to wash itself out because Miami's going to play against Notre Dame. Uh, and, you know, we'll see what's going to happen. That's going to be a big game. You know, yeah. uh, that's going to bring a lot back on, on the table. Um, and and uh, I'm looking forward to that. But it, it's it's heating up. You know, there's still a lot of football. Like you said, a lot of football to be played. Um, but Clemson, they pushed up in, you know, NC State only lost, you know, lost to Clemson 38-31, uh, you know. And so, you know, Clemson, you know, with a young quarterback is vulnerable. And so there's, there's a yeah. lot that's still here, like you said, that nobody – you know, other than those top two teams, you know, everybody got something to work on. And so, you know, uh, they got some stuff, but, you know, they're going to meet each other at some point, and uh, they'll handle their business uh, uh, in, in that way. Is there a team that's, uh, that's disappointing you? That's disappointing to me? I would have to say Iowa yeah, State. Based on what? Yeah. I, it's, it's got to be Iowa State. And, and the thing is about it is if you're good enough to beat TCU, if you're good enough to beat Oklahoma at Norman, then why the heck can you not put it together? I told you last week, the losses that they have are ugly. Okay, you lose to West Virginia, you lose to Texas, okay, you lose to Iowa, which I guess don't look like it's a bad loss now outside of the fact that it, you had that game at home. You've lost two home games, okay? Um, and, uh, and it's like it doesn't make any sense to me that you had some folks thinking that this team was going to really challenge in the Big 12 this year. And you just see the, the way that they've lost ballgames, that level of inconsistency uh, is, is what I would call disappointing. The other team I want to bring up, too, is Penn State. Um, and that's because Penn State, with, with, with if you just watch them play the last two weeks, you have to scratch your head and you have to ask James Franklin, what are you doing? Okay, you have one of the most dynamic offensive players in college football, and you still don't know how to use him. There's no excuse, D, for a player of Saquon Barkley's uh, talent caliber and the way they run that offense for him to totally disappear in ball games. He disappeared late in the ball game against Ohio State last week, and he disappeared against Michigan State again. Okay, a game they should have won. And 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 the thing is, is that you know. It, it seems to me like they want to just keep on that they they're trying to showcase the wrong ball player. They're trying to showcase the quarterback uh, uh, Trace McSorley versus Saquon Barkley, and it's and it's done really hurt them in the last two ball games. And that's a, and that's a disappointment because if you talk about the Big Ten, you want to have at least a couple of teams in the conversation. So it would have been nice to have yes Wisconsin on the West, but. Penn State, and what do you do with them? And what do you do with Ohio State? Ohio State going to never disappoint me when they lose. They, I'm, I'm always happy with that. So, I mean, you, they, you ain't getting that one. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, you know, I mean, I think the disappointment on Ohio State is that um, it, it just doesn't seem like they're responding in big games. Like, to lose in Ohio City is one way, but just to get beat down, they didn't even show up. When, right after just getting ranked to where they got ranked. And so it's like they didn't even come in. They didn't even, they, there's no fight. Versus Penn State, falling to a Michigan State program that's got a win over Michigan, showing some, 
showing like they're bouncing back, you know, uh, in East Lansing after losing Ohio State. That's a dogfight. It's always going to be a dogfight going to East Lansing. But you're right. There's something, even in bad weather, there's something that, um, you know, Penn State being ready for the lights, right? Um, you know, they're, they're there. They're looking good. They got all the parts. But, um, you know, and I know that it was a tough loss in Columbus, but just, you know, the explosiveness is is not there. And it's just like he was dropping balls. And it's not like, you know, it was bad weather, but did not look like they were ready to play. So uh, I think you're, you're you're hitting right on something, uh, you know, with that. But, um, you know, these next couple of weeks going to be some matchups, man. You know, it's going to get nice. And we'll come back and do our weekly check-in on, on college sports. We've got some headlines. You know, one thing we want to do before we get into our main topic is that we got some headlines um, that I want to go over with. Now, for those of you boxer fans, you know we like to talk about boxing around here. And, and uh, if you listen to our most recent podcast with uh, Doug Fisher, uh, editor of uh, Ring uh, uh, Ring Magazine, uh, RingTV.com, which is Ring Magazine's online service, you know, we're talking about the resurgence of the heavyweight uh, division. And uh, Deontay Wilder, is. people talk about who he's fought and not fought, but he's tried to fight people. Cats either have come up with PD issues. He was supposed to be on his way over to Russia to fight a top contender, and then that was halted last minute or because he was found to have violated uh, uh, in terms of PD use. Um, so he gets in with Stavern, who he had a rematch with, who was the only fighter really – to go the distance with him. You know, he, uh, I think out of his 38 previous fights or something like that, uh, he had 37 knockouts with this, him being the only fighter going the distance. Um, and I've never, this, this guy, Deontay Wilder fights like a middleweight. Now, his trainer is Mark Breland, but if you have a chance to see how he, this knockout he had this weekend, I mean, he hit him like his 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 arm was a rifle, <laughs> and you know, with the kind of shocking power and quickness, it's the quickness and the height that makes them. I mean, if you know, you appreciate this. If if we had if we had uh, uh, our, our our legendary trainer from the Croc Gym uh, still alive to be able to work with him, way. Uh, he was able to work with the Clisco brothers. Uh, this would this young man might be something different. He's a it's, it's after, he's got the movement like an Ali, got that reach and that jab like a Lennox Lewis or a Klitschko. But then he's got he's a he's a six seven with a little bit because he played he, I think he played some hoop. He got a little Roy Jones head movement in him, and when he hits with the long arms, he getting around punches. Uh, but he hit this cat, and he went to sleep. I don't know if you had a chance to watch that fight, Hank, but that to me. And then he called out Anthony Joshua and started talking in his British voice. That just had me almost choke up a food. So now he's got the he, – he started to call him out. It it was – this kid is on the scene if you haven't had a chance to, to, to see it. I don't know if you caught the fight, but if you, if you, if you, if you haven't, 
you definitely got to check it out. Do a search. Well, what 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 uh, fight? If you, if you got up to go to the bathroom, or, yeah. or 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 grab you some chips, and came back to sit down, and the fight was over. I mean, <laughs> you, like you said, he knocked him out. He knocked him out in the first round. He made sure, and, and from what I understood, when I did, is that he didn't even want to take this fight. You know, he he, he didn't no. feel like he should have to fight Sterling again. But um, but yep. he made sure that he don't have to fight him no more. And you're absolutely right. You know, he he did call out Joshua, and I think that's the that's the next fight. I mean, the one thing about about this is that that you you got to look for boxing, and I and I wish he didn't have to, especially when you've got a heavyweight right now that that has got some charisma. Okay, Wilder's got some charisma, and 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 as you said, he, he he's got he's not the, your your prototypical hulking, you know, slow, cumbersome heavyweight. He's got some moves. He's got some size, and and he, he's he's an exciting fighter. And I think that you know for for boxing, and we talked about this last time uh, uh, when we, we had the gentleman on. That listen, that's the fight that 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 needs to happen. An Anthony Joshua against Dante Wilder fight. I mean, you 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 want to see that. You you want to see that. You you want to get it out there. You want to get it out there, especially since Joshua stopped Klitschko. So you know now, now the names that 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 the casual boxing fan knows, you know, have, have all kind of been handled. It would be neat to watch these guys and, and and get them out there and really promote this so that so, you know, old school boxing fans can see what's really going on now. Yeah, and, and he's like, I'll get on the plane and go over there to fight him. So get some pay per view to really get that money going, but. You know, it's not like, hey, we got to go to the O to fight this one, Wembley Stadium. You know, just put the name on the bottom line. So that was one. And then, so he, so, so, so Deontay knocked Stern from Brooklyn to the boogie down. And then we get the NFL Fight Club. I bet the NFL <laughs> by the end of Sunday was like, I wish some folks would start kneeling. <laughs> Get a few more casters, start kneeling. What's all this? Fight? I know that's What's right. All fighting all about, you know. And uh, you, you got, and you got, a, you got, you got cats trying to hit people with the uh, DDT moves and near naked chokes, and you know it's getting tense around here in the NFL. It's going down. You got Jameis Winston who's supposed to be hurt, trying to come off, and what's going on? Frank, you, I mean, uh, Hank, did you get a chance to just think through I thought, and you check know, out you know, some of I don't understand Jameis Winston. I don't even know what he was doing. Okay, he he, he instigated that whole thing. He grabbed the dude around, not, not, not maliciously, but you don't touch another player, okay, and you ain't playing. You know, that's going to that's gonna always stir up some stuff. All right, and, 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 and clearly uh, the Tampa Bay player was going to come and defend his quarterback, especially since he was already hurt. Got news that he's going to be out for a few weeks because of that shoulder injury. But I don't know, D. I, I, I'm like, I'm like, what is really going on? And I'm talking about some nasty fights. Yeah. Okay, we, we're talking about yep. some nasty stuff. Now you see these guys. I, I'm wondering, you know, what's really going on? Because I mean, these fights were kind of really, really nasty. I mean, these are like bar brawl fights, like like you've been messing with my woman type of fights. Okay, and I know you were, and, and I know you you do you were there because there were cigarettes in my ashtray, and I don't even smoke, so I'm about to jump on you right here, right now. 
you know that kind of stuff. So I mean, it's, I don't I don't know I don't understand what that what that it, that intenseness is. There's obviously what's going on is it's it's finding its way out on the field. Okay, so whatever that cloud is over the NFL is finding its way out. It's finding its way into the locker rooms, and it's in, and it's manifesting itself on the field because you know you a few weeks ago we had uh, beast mode. Get, get get thrown out of a game for fighting, you have to striking the referee or coming off the bench or something. So it's all kind of crazy going on, okay? And 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 I have to retract the statement when I said that the product on the field looked like it was getting better. It's not. It's not getting better. And like you said, you know, now these these fellas from these other teams, I mean, they are fighting. It ain't your it ain't your mm-hmm. garden variety. You know, I grab your face mask, you grab mine. We 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 dance around for a few minutes. No. Like you said, they suplexing each other. I, you know, I don't know if you know they 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 you know the WWE them broke out. You know, and hockey players is coming up and saying, "Shoot, they fighting better than we are." You know, it, it's nuts. I don't know what's going. On. I, I I will say this though, I, and I'm gonna ask you this: Do you think that since they've been able to express more, you know, they they really clown now with these uh, end zone celebrations? If that's causing a little bit more angst, a little bit more frustration with these teams, so okay, I'm gonna get you back. You're gonna clown on us with that mess, and and, I, and I'm wondering if that's a way to just kind of retaliate. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you know, and I'm not sure because I really enjoyed them freeing up and having the celebrations. Cats have been creative, but it, yeah, but I, I just think some of this stuff is so the the one the one with. Uh, uh, Cincinnati with Jalen Ramsey and, and AJ Green, which I, I'm, I'm checking out a little bit of this. I mean, he, he hit him with the straight WWE uh, 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 mode. Uh, listen to Bamani them earlier. They were trying to figure out if it was like uh, Brutus the Beefcake move or decide which move it was. But but I think that one was more about. So I think they all got this. That one is the changing of the guards, which we'll talk about, right? That was, you know, the Jaguars, like, we're not the same old Jaguars. And, you yeah. know, Cincinnati for a while was dominating, and they're frustrated. They haven't won the playoff game. They're struggling this year. They had a fired offensive coordinator. Um, and uh, here they go again. You know, I'm, I'm watching the fight again. And so this is, this is we ain't the same old Jaguars. And so you're just going to have a frustrating day to day. And, and 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 he he wasn't gonna put up with it, and then he tried to put him in a sleeper. So I think that was a little different. So then you move on over here to uh, uh, um, you know uh, the uh, one between uh, 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 Winston and them. Now now yeah, that one in New Orleans. That, that's a yeah in New Orleans. That's a that's a rivalry game where it's gonna be heated, right? These teams are trying one trying to. You know, New Orleans tried to get off the mat, you know, and, and and you have Tampa Bay who are these rising guns. They got to turn the corner. This is one of them turning corner games. You got Winston who was hurt, which he was out here helping out his team, right? Uh, you got you got that mode going on there. And so you, you got him thinking he's going to try to help out. They're trying to protect this cat because he's a future. And so, but that's a heated rivalry game. That's kind of like the Packers and the Bears kind of thing right now. Uh, trying, uh, trying to do it, and then you had the San Francisco one. That was just we two teams on the bottom, 
and I'm trying to make sure we stepping on your neck so we know you on the bottom, not we're on the bottom. You know, so right. I think they each had that, that it's kind of a dog days of the season where you kind of realizing for some of these teams, it's clear they're on the way up. For some of the teams, they know it's going to be a long season all the way down. And some of these organizations have been really, they haven't in recent years known a season, even though there's some struggles that did not include the playoffs, right? So I think it's, I think it's that mid-season kind of thing where you, you know, when you start to realize it's all coming off the wheels, you're going to get frustrated, particularly when you got, like in the Jaguars case, you got a new kid on the block who's like, we bosses. Like they went into Pittsburgh and like, got physical. You know, they, they're going here, they're going to a place like Cincinnati as physical, who's a penalty, and we're going to let you know we out physical. And A.J. Green was like, it's not having it. So I think each of them have their own thing, but I think the days in the middle of the season, when you start to realize we're going to weigh up or we're not. Yeah, but let me ask you this, okay? Now we, now we, we, it, this ain't, but this isn't new, okay? So it's not like you get to like the eighth, ninth game of the year every season, and there, and you still have those teams that the season didn't go the way they, they wanted to go, or that team that's on the rise, or so forth and so on. But I'm talking about just the the the, the brutal, nasty uh, um, exchanges. Okay, yeah, you always you'll always see what it, you you always get a scuffle or a scrum, or somebody got tired of somebody spitting in their eye all day long, but just some of the stuff. I mean, it's raggedy. Don't mean don't mean. I mean, do you hear what I'm saying? You like we talked about it. Yeah. I mean, it it this it's, it's becoming bench clearing stuff, and like they don't know when to cut loose. They don't know when to stop, and I think that uh, in and of itself is a little bit more unique than what we've seen in the past. And I think some of that is also a byproduct of um, you also got an NFL today where I don't know if you got, because of the way that they, the way they tried to structure the contracts haven't played out that way, where you could have a lot of mid-level leaders in the locker room. You have a lot more maturity. And I think part of that also is that you got a lot more youth on some of these teams. You got a lot, you don't have as many older players in these spaces that can help manage emotion because when they, they, they tried to, you know, um, when they thought that they were limiting the rookie contract, they thought more of that money would go to mid-level people and to superstars, right? That's not how it played out. They just found ways to recycle it. And I also think that's a byproduct of not having a lot of leadership to manage through these frustrating times without some of these mid-level veteran people who would be in some of these locker rooms who would also help manage through this process. So you got a lot of younger guys who are playing, who are also leaders, who are who are out front. And so I think it's a combination of, of all of these things. You make an excellent point there because you do have, like, very young players, one and two years out of college and uh, not seniors. You know, a lot of, lot of, yeah. lot of juniors, a lot of, lot of uh, third-year sophomore, third sophomore players that's now in their first and second year in the league. And, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I see that now. Now that you bring that up, when you look at now the players that we're seeing clowning, it is these younger players that, that's getting in there and really kind of losing their mind. So that, that's, about, that's, a, that's a very excellent point you brought up. Well, we're going to keep an eye on the NFL. This is the first time we talked about it, in, and we, 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 we actually talked about the stuff on the field. <laughs> and that was a little bit different, but it's still fighting. And um, and 
already talked a little bit about this next one. We won't get into too much, but about the uh, about the Hawkeyes taking the Buckeyes behind the woodshed. I think there's nothing left left, left uh, else to say. Um, but there is an emerging conversation about the the Texans possibly signing Kaepernick, which I, I would think is a really good place. First of all, I think um, uh, the locker room's strong enough to handle it, uh, even with a hurt J.J. Watt. But they run a system that would, you know, given the success they saw with Watson, you know, having Kaepernick being able to run that system, you know, knowing that they want to make this run for the playoffs, I think this might it, – it, it, the irony is it's McNair, it, uh, the owner, right, um, who was in the middle of a lot of this stuff, uh, might be the one doing it. But he might be in a position where he's got to show some good faith to some of these players where he's probably burned some bridges. But I just think it's a good football decision based on how they want to play uh, to bring in McNair, especially I've seen uh, uh, how Savage has played. So what do you think about that being a good match and stuff? Like, that's just my opinion. But what do you think about Cap possibly to the Texans? Listen, if the Texans want to contend for a playoff spot this year, they better make a move, okay? Uh, it's it's very clear to me, this is one man's opinion, that the NFL is going to probably get popped with collusion, all right, When you on, on in the Kaepernick case. It's simply put that when you see some of the players that's been signed uh, as backups because of injury and none of them are named Colin Kaepernick, with his level of skill, it's, it's clear something else is going on. Now, I'm with you, and Bill O'Brien would be the perfect coach for Kaepernick in this situation because he, he in his own right, is a, is a quarterback guru, and um, it, it, would be, it would be a nice fit for Kaepernick. Like you said, the system that they run, he, he's very familiar with, getting the terminology down and everything. Uh Here's what's going to happen, though. If they, they they're going to have to make a decision soon, the season's getting away. So if they if they think they got a chance, they need to make a decision. If they're hemming and hawing and window dressing, then what the, what you see with the with the backup is what you get for the rest of the season, and it's, it's a lost year for Houston. It is irony um, with everything yeah. we've talked about with the city of Houston over the course of the last couple of weeks, and what we talked about with this owner. To now, to now do a about face and bring Kaepernick on would be quite interesting, to say the least. I still think the Ravens is another uh, landing spot for him, especially with the concussion of Flacco. Um, but if he's not signed, if he's not signed in these next couple of weeks, then, you know, to, to me, it's it, 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 it's clear-cut as a collusion by the NFL, but I think it would be it would be a, a it, it would be it would be a, a monumental shift in what's going on with Houston for them to sign sign. I think it'd be a great fit, but I'm, I'm still hesitant to whether they pull the trigger on it. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I'm saying you know they're the one to pull it because you know if they want to make a run, you know they still got some parts to make a run, and you know. This, you know, you got Pittsburgh, got some other teams there, but you know everybody has an issue, even uh, the Patriots. And so, um, and they got they got a defense, even though they got some folks who've been injured. They got some pieces, and when Watson was running that thing, they were going. I mean, they went up yeah. to Seattle one, and they competed. So they got the parts to win, but you know you can't keep losing time. You know, some of these offensive players and some of these defensive players, 
you got to make a run. And uh, and Kaplan has been there before, but you got to get him, like you said, soon enough for to give him a few weeks to to be playing and, and get used to what you're doing. And you, like you said, you want to be able to do that here sooner rather than later. And like I said, you know, I think O'Brien is the kind of person that um, I think can figure out how to work through it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's few coaches who can do it. He's strong enough. Um, and at the end of the day, McNair is a business person, and he wants to win. He can see a window. Um, and you see Jacksonville was nipping on them feet. And you see Jacksonville, you better get it together because they're about a year away, and they're doing it well right now. But they're nipping on those feet. And, you know, if they can, you know, get their quarterback situation even more firmed up, you know, there's going to be more problems. So you, you better get it right now, or Jacksonville will be right in your lap. Uh, uh, when it's when it's all said when it's all said and done, you listen to the uh, uh, RSG uh, one mic uh, here with Hank and Devon uh, tonight. You know the topic is if you go at the king, then you bet not miss. <laughs> it sounds like you know LeBron didn't get the memo from the Wizards that they were the better team. You know when they're talking about that junk about their avoidance, he went for fifty-seven on them, which which got me thinking. What does the change in that dire moment look like? You know, what is what is what is that what is that all about? And um, you know, uh, when do you know you're seeing it or not? And so Hank and I are gonna get into that, you know, after we uh, take this break. TV.com, and I'm on the Real Sports Guys podcast. All right, welcome back to One Mike with uh, Hank and Devon. Uh, tonight, we're going to get into our main topic uh, as part of our Five on the Black Hands High uh, segment, The Cypher, where we're going to dig deep on, you know, at what moments, the, when can you actually go for the king and what does that look like? You know, and I kind of spawned this when I was listening to, you know, all the stuff about the Wizards saying that the Cavs ducked them last year and they think they're the best team in the East. And then LeBron came into D.C. like the Hamburglar and just gave it to him and snuck out the back door with all the goodies. And uh, and uh, it left them young Wizards grasping for answers. <laughs> it's different when you just win whatever. But when he had 57 on you, almost a triple double, you got to you got to go back and reevaluate whether or not you're ready to get down like that. So that got me going. So that's what we'll do on this edition of 
Five on the black hand side. Five. Uh, five. Uh, uh, on the black hand side. Yes, 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 yes. If you come at the king, you bet not miss. You know, y'all wire folks, you know, you probably get the exact quote a little better than I am. I'm just going straight off the dome. But what does it mean to do it? So the first question in our five on the black hand side or um, uh, is almost two parts, but it's all linked together, is um, what were the wizards thinking? <laughs> and really, who is who is prime to dethrone the king in the Eastern Conference? But what were the wizards thinking poking at the bear? I mean, it was so bad. And, and most of y'all know that uh, SVP, Scott Van Pelt, went to Maryland from D.C. And every, through the whole post-game interview, he was like, I just don't like talking about it. Like, isn't it a better way to come after him without telling happen? Like, just do it. Like, get out of the first round first. So, even the hometown guy was shook after what LeBron did it. Hank, what was these young? What were these youngins thinking? You know what? You know, back in the day when kids used to put posters on the wall, they you would have, like, the great superstar player. And then you'd yeah. have that player that was looking down, getting posterized, okay? He's got the <laughs> other player's genitalia all in his nose because he done just got dunked on, all right? And he sees And sometimes, unfortunately, if you look at a couple of two or three posters, you get to see in that same player always in that same position with that same look on his face with that same with somebody else's genitalia in his nose because he didn't got dunked on again. This is what the Washington Wizards are. All right? They don't they, they done got posterized by King James. But this isn't the first time. You know, Wall yeah. was doing all this whooping before they played the Lakers and Lonzo Ball. All right? And that was supposed to have been this big deal. Guess what happened? The Lakers put a foot in Washington's backside. <laughs> Again, posterizing them, okay? There is a scripture in the Bible that, that, that says, study to be quiet. I would like to give that advice to the Washington widows. Study to be quiet. You have done nothing. And then you want to poke the biggest bear in the cave, all right? And listen. Yep. It's only 11 or 12 games that's gotten played this year, so that nobody's got nothing to say about anything else. You got you got Cleveland hibernating through the first half of the year. You got LeBron James just kind of cruising. You know, he started off with that little nagging injury. They're cruising their way through. They didn't have as long of an exhibition season, and you want to start wolfing. I know the rest of the league is like, have you lost your mind? We have an opportunity to gain some momentum, and there you go. Once again, on the poster, flat-footed, with somebody jumping over your head. I, you know, it's stupid to me. And it, and, it, and it goes back to this youth, okay, of all the cats that you know that's in the league that's going to work on his game. We, you know, uh, year in, year out, he got commercials on his workout. This is the guy you want, you want to poke this bear. I'm not surprised, and quite frankly, I'm glad to see him so that do that. It's like, you know what, don't write no checks. You know, back in the day, they used to say, don't write no checks that your butt can't cash. I cleaned that up a lot, and this is what, this is what Washington <laughs> is going to have to learn. 
Gortat is this is a kind of veteran speaker or, or that 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 you got. So they and they bounce back and they beat the Raptors. Raptors on the road. And this is his quote, which I love, and this is what they need to listen to more about. He said, just because we won the game uh, today here, it doesn't mean that everything is fine and we're back on the right track. There's a lot of things we've got to work on. First of all, we've got to become a more humble team, and we've just got to work harder. Like, you got to figure out – You got he's, he's giving them the ingredients. Y'all not get out the first round before you can talk about coming at the king. Like, you can't talk about owning somebody when y'all can't even get out the first round. Like, at at first, you've got to be able to get out the first round. Like, the Pistons couldn't come after the Bulls if they could never get out the first round. They first had to demonstrate they could get the Eastern Conference Finals and battle and battle and battle those rounds. But you've got to get deep in the playoffs. You've got to show you can win a series. Y'all haven't even figured out how you, you sure don't. Theory. You don't go after the. You don't go after the defending Eastern Conference champions. Okay, the last three years in a row, you don't go after them. Eleven games into the new season, who does that? Who does that? Eleven games into the new season, get out the first round. How about get out the first two weeks of the season? <laughs> you you got to figure out how to beat Boston first. Yeah. Like you talk about beat the cat. Are you better than Boston? Beat Boston first. If, I mean, whoever heard of Boston? Whoever heard of wolfing on the on on the defending champs of your conference before Thanksgiving? Who does that? You know, <laughs> days before Halloween. Oh yeah, we taking you down. Are you out your mind? Shut up. Things that we like to do on one mic is, and we've done this before is to break down the qualities of a certain issue. So so if we were to think about the qualities of someone who's willing to take the throne, what would those qualities be? Well, you know, I've been thinking about it. I mean, any examples that you have, yeah. Yeah, well, see, here's the thing. You've got to be a building team, okay? And you've got to have a budding superstar of some sort, okay? Uh, when you when you let's 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 take a step back and let's just look at what we saw in the, in the history of dynasties coming to a, to a halt. Okay, you have that one team or that or that series of teams that just need just that one thing. They just kind of hang around. They learn. They hang around. They learn. Every year it gets a little tighter and a little tighter, but the champ somehow prevails, and then. That team makes that one move. They make that one splash. They make that one addition. Okay, and then you kind of sense it's coming. You start to you start to see where the battles of the champion is starting to take its toll on them. But you also start to see this budding team that you can't really see any glaring weaknesses. You 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 start to talk about their youth. You start to talk about things that have nothing to do with their talent. Now you start to talk about experience. That's what it looks like. But then what you see with that team is you don't just see the starting five or the starting nine or the starting 11. You start to see depth. You start to see strategies. You start to see things where everywhere else they're starting to dominate. But when they get to the champs, it becomes a dogfight. That's what you start to see when you start to see, okay, then with, and then with the champs, you stay, they, they're starting to look over their shoulders when they weren't doing that before. They just kind of handle their business. 
Now all of a sudden you get to the playoff time. And now where you knew the champs had it, now what you have is a dogfight. Now you have is a toss-up. I can bring to you several examples of this. I can go all the way back to the Boston Celtics dynasty when they were when they were taken out by the Philadelphia 76ers. I can go back to the Lakers, uh, Magic Johnson's Lakers, when they were finally dethroned. Even or, or let's go back to the Detroit Pistons, the Bad Boy Pistons, when they were finally dethroned by the Chicago Bulls and the young Bulls teams that just got better and better and better every year in those battles every year. Okay, then they finally dethroned the Lakers. Okay, till they got older. Okay, then you go back to the Lakers dynasty with Shaq and Kobe. Okay, where all of a sudden they they there were some chinks in their armor when the Pistons dethroned them which then started the, the uh, dynasty of the San Antonio Spurs, and on and on and on. But there's always a couple of uh, upstart teams, okay? They may not be the next dynasty, but you can tell they're the next champ to dethrone that dynasty. Yeah, and I hit you, and, and, and there's some signature moments. It's the, you know, it's the you knew some changes happening when, when uh, when, uh like Jordan hit 63 against Boston. They lost the game, but you had a sense that yeah. uh, that that there something was on the rise. <laughs> like the, the time, it, it was just a matter of time, right? You had a sense of 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 of, 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 of that. You know, even when the Shaq led Orlando um, uh, uh, a team. Where they 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 got Jordan and them and them young cats were scrapping. You were like, oh okay, um, uh, th- 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 these cats are are, are are on something. You can tell that moment where, and usually it's deeper in the playoff moment. And we'll be, right now we're just talking about sports that have a series because when that moment happens in a series, that's definitive versus sports like football where it might be a playoff game. You know, you have to look at it over multiple seasons, but. In baseball or hockey or basketball, when when you're talking about seven game series or fuck, you know, usually the best team is advancing over multiple games like that, and and usually you got you got to to win that 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 decisive game. You got to take you got to take the throne out their hand, and right. I would say you know when when LeBron put that performance on the Pistons. That was signature, you know. Right. It was that moment where people were like, okay, this young he he here to play, you know. And that was a contention team. Um, that might have been the beginning of their demise when he put that because nobody people saw a big point, but that was the game. Like he was like, there was no whatever they tried, they couldn't stop him. And so, mm-hmm. and I, I don't see that moment. If that moment's going to come out the East, it's going to come from one of their former Cavaliers, and that's Kyrie, because he's the one person who can go sick with it in a way where you can't really guard it. And you could, I watched a couple of trips, not especially this West Coast trip, where they're blending as a team. And he's playing differently. He's playing more inclusive in his game. He has that ability to put three straight trips down where he just scores, boom, 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 can go pack for pack. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he has that. I don't see those moments from Bill and Wall enough. I see laws, and I think – uh, the talk, talked about this, a mental toughness, a consistency, like, you know, 
Bill hit 38, but can you hit 38? Can you do that against the Cavs in the moment? I can I can see Kyrie doing that. You know, um, you know I, I don't not I don't trust Toronto guys to show up because they limit in different ways. Lowry is going to get pushed around because he undersized, and then uh, you go you go you go the other way with DeRosa because he his game, he hasn't worked on his game enough to extend his range. Again, there's mm-hmm. things you add to your game. Kobe added things to his game to be able to go at. Uh, San Antonio and some of these other teams, right? He added pieces mm-hmm. to his game to make sure he was ready. I'm not seeing some of these young guys adding those pieces to their game in a way you might see a Kyrie actually add pieces to his game. And so, right. and if you don't do that against somebody like LeBron, he's going to see your weaknesses. He's going to go at them. Like, he's going to defect right. you. When he said he like the, he say he, he's like the Peyton Manning of basketball, he truly is. He's sizing you up. And once he understands what you're doing, he's running that Omaha, Omaha. Omaha, he's calling it right. the line, and now he's calling it in the post. And so, you're right. It's like when they're ready to sacrifice at a certain level, that's when you know they're going to challenge. And you can see that. You can see a level of sacrifice, even in their own personal game for championships. That's when you know when they realize about that sacrifice piece, because winning is sacrificing. That's when you really start to understand that these cats are ready to go at the throne. Where they really you also got to understand they really that you just got things. Yeah, you got to understand too that you know that it, it takes an entire commitment of an organization to do that. When you look at the East, you, I don't see that commitment yet. I don't see where you, outside of Boston, where you you're actually looking at a team that's saying, "Okay, we are trying, we are committed to uh, challenging the Cavaliers for the Eastern uh, Conference title." I don't see that. I, I think you saw a lot of movement. But you don't really – it doesn't scare you, all right? And since it doesn't scare you and you look at Cleveland and what they know they can do just to get to the playoffs, they know they can take on any team in the East, all right? And and, and if you are a basketball fan and you're watching this and you can be really excited about the starts of some of these teams, you just don't feel, you don't sense that they have that that that, that rival that they need to concern themselves with. You know, yeah, Kyrie's going to do what Kyrie does, but are you really concerned, you know, about Boston? They had the best record last year uh, in the East. Didn't show up, all right? Didn't show up. And plus you've got an experienced team and you've got a LeBron that show, oh, by the way, I can go off when I feel like it, okay? He's not an old man. He's 33 years old and he can still get it done. He's got enough size and stuff. So, you know, there's not going to – I don't anticipate a challenge there. And as Game Changer was saying, you know, you got to look over at the West. Look West, young man, you know, and, and there you there you have your your contenders. There you have teams that feel that they can legitimately uh, put a kink in the armor of the Golden State Warriors, okay? And they've done enough, some of these teams, to feel like, okay, we can take you out. You know, or we can really make it hard for you in um, in seven games. You don't see that in you don't see that in the East, and that's and that's unfortunate because when you think about the East, where, where it used to be, you had some brawling teams that was going to bring it every night, that was going to make it interesting. Cleveland simply doesn't have that right now, and you have to ask yourself: Is that a benefit 
or is that is that is that a, a liability for them? Because when are they going to be challenged? You know, and 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 so so I think that not only is the king in the east sitting on his throne, but that throne is basically sitting on Mount Everest when it comes to the east. So so part of it that I'm, I wanted to sit down and, and connect with uh, on here is, you know, in question three uh, that I probably want to ask here was, you know, some of the issues in the past 20 years. And so trying to figure out, like, what's some examples? You know, the, actually in recent years, the Cubs' maturation in terms of when Theo got there and how he built that program where you start to realize, you know, these folks, these guys are taking over. Like, this is going to be a team that's going to be here to stay. It's not just going to be St. Louis dominating this division or, um, you know, National League, but that these are going to be players in the National League. Uh, Field was building for the long term, but they're turning the corner. I think the Cubs is a great example of of an organization that is was preparing to take on Reigns. Now, the Dodgers came out of nowhere. Uh, the, you know, you know they were kind of building for years, but they just had an amazing season this year. But, you know, the Cubs are clearly that organization that's looking to try to take over in baseball. That's an example of that. But if you think about the past 20 years, what are some other examples that you've seen of teams that um, have kind of gone through this process? You know what? It's interesting that you mentioned the Cubs. Uh, and I want to talk about the last 20 years, but I would be – be remiss if I didn't bring up this year's World Series champions, the Houston Astros. In 2013, when the Houston Astros moved into the American League, they were an abysmal team. Okay, they were absolutely awful. Uh, and but but what they did was they had a plan, and their plan was this whole sabermetrics thing, was to bring these players in that had these numbers, that had these certain talent and skill sets, and they were going to build that way and build through their uh, farm system, and then pick up players as they went along, and they're built for the long haul. Just like you were talking about the Cubs, a very young, very talented team that is now prepared to win, you know, maybe not World Series every year, but they're prepared to win, you know, year in and year out. When you look at the last 20 years, you you, 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 you can't go wrong with, with you got to look at the Golden State Warriors. Okay, you look at what they did. Yeah. Look at look at how they built. Look at that draft that brought them uh, Thompson and brought them Curry. Look at what they did after that. Okay, with those and, young and Draymond. And Draymond, yeah, and, and Draymond. Draymond. I mean, they drafted their big three. You know, and let me say that 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 was one that I think came out the blue on people. Okay, they their their scouting uh, team did an excellent job with that. Because it's like all of a sudden you got players that, you know, nobody really looked at. To, they, they figured it was decent, but to be uh, the the cornerstone of two championships and, 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 and three straight appearances to the finals, I don't think anybody saw that coming out of Golden State. I think that's, I think that's the story right now, and they're still young enough to compete and probably win another couple of two or three championships. That's one of those stories that you that you look at and you have to see, uh, and, and see what if if it's uh, dynasty if it if it's dynasty worthy. I think that when you're looking at 
the way the, the climate the climate of sports right now, uh, and and who's built for the long haul. It's hard to really argue with the success of the New England Patriots. Um, and the reason why you say that is because when you look at the draft, D, you know this, the, the, it, that name recognition always gets the press, always gets the headlines. Who got this one? Who got that one? And it's always hit or miss. But for a team like the Patriots, who their their, their greatest of all time Hall of Fame quarterback, we all know around these parts was a six-round pick, okay? You don't have a whole lot of big-name wide receivers. You don't have a lot of big-name anything or anybody. And lo and behold, what you have uh, what you have is a team that's gone to all these Super Bowls, is, is, a, is a perennial playoff contender. What does that say? You have to have to be, you have to be able to evaluate talent. You have to be able to yeah. develop talent. And I think that when we get to the pro level, this has always been a big argument of mine. People feel like you're at the pro level, you should know what you're doing. On the contrary, I think that that's where player development needs to continue. I think the Patriots have done an amazing job of scouting and player development as well as the Golden State Warriors. And you just look at any championship team. Okay, you'll always get that team that might fly out fly out there and do something or that that big money owner who's willing to buy himself a championship. But you're talking about these teams that's, that's built to last. You see them really starting to continue to develop their players. Then they might pick up a free agent here or there. The Bulls did it back in the day. You know, they got Michael Jordan. They, they drafted Scottie Pippen. They drafted uh, Horace Grant and other players around that, that team. And then they added pieces to sustain that, that, that success. Boston. The, uh, the back in the day, the Lakers back in the day. This is what you do, okay? And and you said in the last 20 years, I, I said you don't even have to go that far. Again, we've seen it more more so in the last 10 years than we have in the last 20. You listen to Real Sports Guys, One Mike, RSG, One Mike, then all the calls are brought to you by Carbonwell Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWellHealth.com. Let Dr. Nestor Rodriguez, uh, Ashley Greer, and the staff know that the Real Sports Guys sent you. We're in the middle of the five on the black hand side cipher edition of One Mic, where we're getting at what prepares a team to take the throne from the king. Because when you go for it, you can't miss it. When you, cause you can't let them know you're coming. And when, it, when you get there, you got to be able to take it and go and never look back. And so we, we've hit a couple of different things uh, to, to kind of hit that. Tank has been on fire as usual. Uh, it's been great. We're going to take a short break, come back, and hit the final two questions of uh, the five on the black hand side, our main topic uh, tonight. The king, when you go at the king, how do you dethrone the king here on one mic? Thank you for spending this time with us. We're going to hit it one more time.
Hi, this is Brett Bielma, the head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, and you're keeping it real with the real sports guys. Whoopig. Welcome back to One Mike uh, here with uh, uh, Hank Davis and Devon Wilson. Uh, if you go at the king, then you bet not miss. And we've been cut, we've been thinking about what does it take to dethrone. It's a fascinating topic, um, and I think Hank was just hitting on some stuff before we go to our our, our our final two questions of this segment before we drop the mic, um, where he was talking about, and, and I think he had a really important point. I don't want to get lost is that those teams are really to go do a good job of identifying talent, not only drafting, but those veteran pieces to take them over the top. They use free agency by shot in the duck. If you think about the Pistons, uh, even with the Adrian Dantley, but then the Mark McGuire uh, and, and those pieces, that timely pieces, even when people doubted them. Uh, you know, uh, you, you talked about the Bulls. I, I, it's funny you talked about that example. I was thinking about it uh, as you were describing it. I don't think Jerry Krause gets enough credit. You, gotta, you have to even think about the Tony Kukoc um, uh, selection. The people were doubting right. what Tony Kukoc gave them uh, to kind of put through and just finding those timely pieces to kind of keep it going and build but being committed. You think about San Antonio and what they did and being committed to player development. I remember arguing with Game Changers about this, that, you know, there still is a place for player development. And, it's it's crazy when you hear some of these GMs talk about the importance of their player development and where the league is going to time to do that. And I think the same thing in baseball, developing, growing. You think about the Yankees when when Jeter and that whole group came up and how they developed them and, and used their farm system and drafts to keep that keep that stuff going uh, with you know those timely pieces and being able to turn over that roster. And so there's a plan, there is a way in which you're going to do it. You develop a philosophy. You usually got your GM, your owner, and your coach on the same page. When you see that kind of alignment with an organization, you can tell, and I think that's what you're seeing down in Jacksonville, you know, with Coughlin going there, he's aligned that whole football operations. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's aligned, and I think he brings a respect to the table. I think you start to see, when you see that alignment in the organization where everybody's saying the same thing, they're all together on it, on the same page, that's a good ingredient for the kind of change that you need going long term. And I think the Steelers have been an organization where and mm-hmm. I, I talked about on my most recent podcast, uh, one, the Cypher, I talked about a quarterback play in a poorly, uh, a poorly coached position, and part of it is people aren't being committed to player development. Uh, those organizations who win or who build are committed to that kind of player development, that that they're not they're they are immune in some ways to the external world. They got a plan and they stick into it. And regardless of what you say in the media, whatever, they know how they're going to approach it. So I think you hit on some really good points. Our right, number four or five on the black hand side. Who is a rising star today that you believe will own their sport within the next five years? You can use whatever well, you know, sport if you want to use baseball. Whatever you think, go with what you know. You know what? Uh, I got this one. I got this one. Uh, I, I got two sports. I got two sports. Uh, um, and it's just unfortunate what happened to this young man. But Deshaun Watson, quarterback for the Houston Texans, if you watched him play, you know, this is a young man. He's a winner. And, unfortunately, he's out for the season with a torn ACL, but he'll be back. And I got a lot of confidence in Bill O'Brien as the coach in Houston. Um, and I think Deshaun Watson is one of those quarterbacks that 
he's got he's got that game. He's got that kind of game that he's he's a natural leader. That that as a rookie was going to be the hands down rookie of the year in my opinion. He doesn't get injured, but I believe uh, this is a young man that he's got a chip on his shoulder because of where he was picked. I think that uh, you've got enough talent down there, and he is going to be a staple. That I think that uh, especially and it's going to be that Texas two step between him and Dak Prescott. But I think that. You talk about that quarterback that's going to be able to take you over the top. I'm looking for Deshaun Watson to do that in the NFL. And I, and, I, and I would be wrong if I didn't come out here and say something about baseball. And I can't, and I've been talking about this young man all season, Aaron Judge. He's going to be the hands-down rookie of the year. He's going to get a lot of votes for the MVP this year. I think it's going to be Jose Altuve. But Aaron Judge just came out. And in that band box, that's Yankee Stadium, he's going to hit a lot of home runs. And that's that team I'm looking for. The Yankees know how to build uh, build from the from the inside out. They can build from the outside in, but they've shown with the Derek Jeter uh, class that they can do that. And I think they're doing it again. And they've already got their linchpin in this young man. He's already tasted the playoffs. And I think over the next five years, you're going to be hearing a lot about Aaron Judge and a lot about Deshaun Watson. And then the final one I'm going to get you because you're hot, I'm going to you like Vinny, is who's the <laughs> best example of a king that will be the toughest to dethrone within the next five years? I mean, LeBron going to go out kicking and screaming, but, you know, there's some people going. But who's the who's the best example in sports of somebody that's going to be just tough to take out for the next five years? That's easy. That's easy. All you got to do is look west, young man. Steph Curry don't get enough in my opinion, he does doesn't get enough respect. It may people might not say, Well, what do you mean? He's been the M V P he's been the champion. But the young man works his tail off and he is he's automatic. Okay? And I think that from what we've seen, we haven't we have not uh seen all that he's going to do with that team, okay? Um and he's gonna be hard at the throne. It's going to be hard at the throne because of who he is and what he's proven. And, yeah, we can talk about uh, um, uh, LeBron all day long and to take nothing away from LeBron. But for those who argue about, you know, team loyalty and all this lovely stuff, um, Steph Curry has been to the championship with only the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry is going to be talked about in the same category as Kobe Bryant, spending his entire career with a team and winning championships. And when you start to see that that roster start to move around, and he's still there. He's still young enough. I think in the next five years you can look for uh, the the Golden State Warriors to win at least a couple of more championships, and it's going to be hard because that team is going to always try to reinvent itself to be that kind of team. So look for him to still – be talked about in the next five. For me, it's um, this is another easy one. And you say the next five years will he still be playing? Is Tom Brady and in that NFC <laughs> North, whatever they call it, 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 it or East, whatever they call it, it Aaron Rodgers? Look, look, yeah, look, at least, yeah, at least. In that, Aaron got some challenges from Minnesota, 
Detroit and some other teams trying to come up and battle, and he's holding down. So he's another tough one. We'll probably go on. Aaron win by himself. Aaron Miami, don't even need a team around him. Yeah, <laughs> and Miami and and, 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 and and the Jets, they show a, a glimmer of heartbeat, uh, something, a pulse. Buffalo is looking there, but it's kind of like when you get in the ring and, you you know, it's like the cat come in thought he's going to be Ali. Ali jab him, jab him to death, frustrate him, and then put him to sleep. Even when you like, you're younger than Ali. You should be able to get him. He's still frustrated. And I don't know if right. I, I don't know if Brady's about to have his Larry Holmes moment yet. I don't think that Larry Holmes moment is coming yet. Where Larry Holmes is facing Ali and I just want to turn the T V away or turn off the T V. I don't know if that's coming yet. And the way they build teams over there, Brady probably can play until you're like fifty five. Because they ain't challenging. You know, they ain't giving him nothing right now. And so right. he can right. own that division. I'm not saying he's gonna own it but like, how many times has New England won that division? What, how many straight years? It's like, they, they need to just name the division after Brady. <laughs> it's just like, they just need to call it the Brady division. You know, you know how they got the, they got the, they got the, they got the, uh, the Hunt Trophy. They need to call it the, whoever wins that division gets the Brady Trophy. They're going to call it the Brady Trophy. trophy. You're right. They, 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 <laughs> they just, he just wins that division every year. And it's like, I don't see anything. He's throwing them until some of these teams uh, get it together. Um, I think the Bills are probably building it the most sound way. Um, they got a defense. They got a good running back. You know, they got to figure out what they're going to do with their quarterback. But, you know, from a football, it's hard to say in football because football can change much more frequently because uh, we've right. a lot of examples. But that's about the closest you can get between Brady in that division and Aaron Rodgers in his division, um, you know, let some of these teams kind of get their act together. They're going to they're gonna have a pass all the way to the playoffs every year. <laughs> you, you're absolutely I right. You know, it, you know, you're absolutely right. The only reason why I didn't do that was because, you know, he's going to be 40 years old. And, I, and if you're talking about him, I just, it's like, okay, you, like you said, it, 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 uh, it's a crapshoot. Somebody missed a block and it's been a great career. You know, That's so I, I I figured that you know we're already talking about him, but you know football is such a fickle is a, such a fickle mistress. You know, you just don't know what you're gonna get from year in to year out. But you know, you you can you can pretty much nail down these other sports. I'll tell you. That's it. Well, hey, I'm gonna drop the mic here uh, as we try to do the outro here on another great uh, one. Mike Hank is another great show. Uh, I'm gonna drop the mic. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna start the way. I'm gonna end the way I started talking about someone. Uh, we've been looking for a great heavyweight champion, and for the first time, I watched somebody, and I got the feeling I got when I first saw Mike Tyson fight. Like this guy is destructive and devastating, but Deontay Wilder has matured has developed. Mark Breland has done a great job with him. And he has a work ethic and a desire to be great. Um, And America's been looking for a great heavyweight. And this young man is not disappointing us. I cannot wait for him and Joshua. And I love Joshua as well. I mean, if they square off, it's going to be the first heavyweight fight in a long time that looks like a middleweight fight. Both of these guys are going to be throwing combinations. It, it could be the most – it could be a one of the biggest pay-per-view fights 
ever, and I'm looking forward to it. This is where boxing has got to figure out what UFC has figured out. How can you make the right fight happen at the right time? Until next time, this is RZ One Mike. Join me and Hank next week. We love you. See you soon. Peace.